thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, let your word go like a two-edged sword. Lord, we want to be trained up, equipped. Lord, we want to know what your perfect will is for our lives. We want to know you, and we want to know who we are in you. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. You know, it's so, it's so amazing how God speaks to you through situations, through people, through life experiences. Just turn the keys down a little, please. And um, I was just watching Joey this week, you know, like those of you who had babies, that you know, when they're really little, all you want to do is sit around and look at them. I mean, you want to sit around and look at them forever, actually. And Julie, you know, brought Joey over for me to watch. And, of course, I didn't get anything else done. All I wanted to do was just sit there and look at her. And then I remember what it was like when I had my babies and I didn't get any housework done. And Phil come home from work, nothing's done. He's just sat there looking at them all day. And that God's like that. Do you know that? That God looks at you like that. I mean, it's hard to believe that God in heaven would be watching you like that and He's just thinking, I don't want to get anything done right now. You know, war's over there. Yeah, but I want to just look at Maria right now. And, oh, look at that. She just moved. And she just blinked her eyelids. And, you know, God's like that too. And I'm watching Joey. And, you know, I don't know if you know about babies, but you know, they're still developing their digestive system. So when they eat or drink, when they drink, we've got to kind of help them to get their wind up, right? So we burp them. So you... And, that burp, and it's, everybody claps when they burp. When you burp, when you're older, everybody goes, what? But when you're little, you're allowed to burp, all right? And you're allowed to fluff, and, or, or as Candy calls it, pop off. And you're allowed to pop off when you're little, and it's all like, oh, she popped off, good girl. You know, it's all good. And then uh, the rest of your life, you've got to hold it in. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, so I'm watching Joey, and Jilly's just fed her, and Jilly went out to do some shopping, so I got her there, and she said, can you get a wind up, Mum? And so I've got her, and I, you know, I, she bought a couple of burps up, and she was real good. And then when you lay Joey down, uh, she's just peacefully, she sleeps like, this, like that, and praising God as she sleeps. And, and she's just peaceful for a while, but then after a couple of minutes, the old belly starts going, yeah, she starts making all these noises and carrying on. And it's like, I tried to get a wind up, tried to, but it just wasn't going to happen. And in the end, I had to lay her down there and I had to say, work it out, Joey, work it out. And she was like, and then she'd pop off and she'd be fine. And she'd just go, and then pop off, and she's great. And I thought about, no, God spoke to me in that. (laughs) How we got to, you know, we got to work stuff out. Let's have a look at this scripture. (laughs) Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, this is Paul speaking, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Continue to work out your salvation. So that means that there is a working out after you get saved. It's just not like a magic wand and now you're saved and now you're perfect and now everything's great and now I'm like Jesus and, and now all my stinking thinking is gone and all my habits are gone and I'm trans, my character is beautiful and I'm all happening and then right there, right on that altar, it all happened to me in one moment. Salvation, who knows it, is a working out. <laughs> it's a working out. You know, there's a starting point 
And then there's, a, and actually the finishing point is when we see Jesus and we're made perfect. Until that time, I know I've been trying to work this thing out for like 27 years. I've been saved now. And 27 years, I've been, I haven't been popping off. I've been very, very good. I have. I just work it out. And that, my father, when we were, we were all, you know, there was lots of girls in my family and four girls, two boys. And my dad would sit around the table and teach us etiquette, how you, which knife and fork to use because he was brought up very proper kind of English background. This is what you do, this is what you do. And I'll never forget the day that he sat around the table and taught us how to fluff like ladies. Yeah, it was really funny. Just squeeze the cheeks together, girls, and just, just, just let it out nicely. Like and um, anyway, work it out. Work it out. I, you know, when Jilly had Joey... <laughs> When Julie, and I do, and I'm a lady, aren't I, don't, to this day. And uh, when Julie had Joey, you know, we had, Andrew was going to go in with her, and then she said, Mum, will you come in with me too? And I said, oh, I'd love to go in with her, as long as I'm with Andrew. And we, we worked it out that we would both go in with her to have the baby, and so we had me and Andrew, the midwife, and eventually the doctor came in right at the end to help out, right? So we got all these people helping. But all we could do at the end of the day is go on, come on, you can do it. Come on, we could rub her back, we could massage, we could encourage, we could give her water, we could, you know, put the pillows right, we could do it all, we could do it all. But at the end of the day, we could not push that baby out for her. We just couldn't get inside her body and push that baby out. And as much as a mother I wanted to, I wanted to say, put that baby in my body, I'll push it out, you know, this is awful. But I couldn't do it for her. We have to do it ourselves. Amen. And I love this. Put that scripture up again, that Philippian scripture. And at the end of that scripture, in the middle of the scripture, it says, For it is God who works, works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. It's God who works in us. We, you know, we don't do this alone, right? So, you know, we have friends around us. We have people around us. But you know what? He'll give you midwives. He'll give you spiritual parents. And he'll give you people around your love to encourage you. But this journey, some parts of this journey, a lot of this journey, we've got to actually walk it alone. We've got to get that wind out ourselves. We've got to push that baby out ourselves. There's a point where we have to say, look, thank you for your advice. You know, thank you for your help. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the phone call. Thank you for the flowers. Thank you for the stuff. But then we've got to get alone with God. And we've got to work it out. We've got to make the decisions. We've got to take the steps. There's a place where it says here, for it is God in you who works it out. It's God in you who works it out. And you know what? Sometimes we can get help from other people so much that we even forget to ask God, that we even forget to get with God. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about that? What does that say about that? What do you think I should do about that? You know, you know, and and then when God's up there going, hello, you know, and and you know what? He, when you get with Him, He knows exactly what you need to do to, to work it out. And he will help you work it out. He is the one. He is the one. He is the one that works out your salvation. The Amplified says it like this, not in your own strength, 
for it is God who is at work within you. You know, you don't have to do this stuff in your own strength. You don't have to think about it really hard. You don't don't have to, but God is with you. It's It's in God's strength. Now, when we talk about work out your salvation, you know, we have to have a concept of what that word salvation means because, you know, salvation, if I said to you, what, is, what, what does salvation mean? Daniel, yeah, that's a question. Give me a word. Give me a word. Any word. So deep. What is salvation? Someone else. Saving. What is it? Being forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Love. Being reconciled. It's all those things and more. The, the word salvation actually in the Hebrew is zozo. Zozo life. You know what it says? Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance. That word life there is zozo life. Zozo life is salvation. Jesus came to give us salvation life and life in abundance. See, salvation life is life in abundance. It's not just saving you because you're a rotten sinner and now I'll forgive you and you can come to heaven. All right, then. There's so much more to it. There's liberty. It means liberty, freedom. It means deliverance, prosperity. It means safety. It means to be open. It opens you up. It brings transparency. It means wide and free. It takes you from being inward and in bondage to wide and free. It's to help, to preserve, to defend, to get victory. There are so many aspects to salvation. So that when we say that God is in you working out your salvation... It's, there's so many different facets of that. There's so much that we can touch on that probably we need a whole series to talk about. But I'm going to touch on a few this morning. But in this place where God works it out, there's a place of loneliness, huh? I mean, when we first get saved and it's just like it's the honeymoon and everything's going right and, you know, it's working out and you find things on the street and they speak to you and... Everything's talking to you and everything, you know, it's just gorgeous. But then we get to a place where we've got to start to grow up. Then we get to a place where we've got to get alone with God and work it out. And there is a loneliness there. And I think you get to a place where you realize that there is no other human being on the face of the earth that can really understand you, who really knows you. And if you are looking to people to the church, to the pastors, to the leaders, to your husband, to your wife, to your parents, to your brother, to your sister, to your kids, to define you and tell you who you are and understand you, you will be bitterly disappointed because you get to a place where you realize no one knows me except him. No one does. I don't even know me. Do you understand? How can I expect other people to know me if I don't even know me? Because he's working me out. You see, salvation is a restoration process that doesn't change you. It restores you back to your original self. 
Yeah? Sarah said there has to be an origin. In all of science, there has to be an origin. You see? And in salvation, salvation is the restoration of the original self. You're, you're working it out. Isn't, oh, well, I've got to give up smoking, oh, I better give up drinking, you know, I you know, better stop swearing, and, you know, I better get my attitude right. But salvation and working it out is partnering with God as he restores you back to who you are without the stuff, without all the stuff. He is just clearing it away. He's just making way. He's just making the way for the Lord to come into your life. Now, he is not focused on your faults, your sins, your attitudes, your misgivings, your shortfallings, your character traits that are not quite right yet. He's not focused on that. He's focused on you. You know, when his son hung on that cross, he was focused on you. In his heart of hearts, he was knowing that he was going to save you, that he was going to restore you, that he was going to return you to the original creation that he created you to be. Not one of us is the same. We are completely different completely unique, completely, incredibly and beautifully made. And he's the only one who knows the original recipe, the original plan, the original way he made you before life and life experiences changed you. And so to get with him, alone with him, Loneliness then leaves because when you have someone who understands who you are, you're not alone anymore. You're not confused anymore. You're not reaching out for people to meet your needs anymore because your needs are met in him. And when he speaks to you, when he touches you, when he touches areas of your life and you feel the restoration process happening inside of you, it is the most incredible becoming. We're becoming. We're becoming. We're becoming like Jesus. We're becoming like the original. We were made in the image of God. And Jesus is the perfect representation of our Father God. And as we become like him, we become what we were originally meant to be. Does that make sense to you? We start, you know, 1 Peter, just put that scripture for you, 1 Peter 2.2 2 says that we start as babies. We start as babies. So when we're born again, we're first born again, we're like little babies in our spirit. Because we're beginning a journey. It's the beginning of a new life. We're born again and our life has begun again. And the life in Christ has begun and the life of restoration has begun. And so we're like babies and we need spiritual milk. And it says here, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk 
so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. In a spiritual, get teaching, get advice. But more than anything else, milk, pure milk, comes only from the mother for the child. And see, God is your father. And he can feed you. He can give you exactly the nourishment that you need. The greatest thing that we can do as pastors, as leaders, as a church, is continue to push you towards him. You know, I think there is a mindset, there's a mindset that, you know, the pastors, the leaders of the church, they've got to work me out. They're going to meet all my needs. They're going to fix all my problems. And you know what? God never intended it like that. Like, really, we're midwives. Really, I can rub you back. I can help you get... But at the end of the day, you've got to get along with God. And the greatest thing we can teach you to do... Jesus died so that you could have relationship with God. He didn't die so you could have a relationship with a pastor, with a church, with another person, with a friend... He died so you could have relationship with God. So you could again walk in the garden with him and talk and walk with him and be in complete, intimate relationship with him and you define who you are. So go to God, get some milk, drink the milk of the word. And then in Hebrews 5.14, it says this, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. There's a time where we've got to move from milk to, to eating solid food. Amen? There's a time where we've got to grow up. And honestly, it grieves my heart and fills heart. As we look around and we see a lot of the body of Christ are still drinking milk years and years after they've been saved. They're still wanting their nappy change. They're still in the same situation. They're still going around the same mountains. And, and there's no meat. There's no food. There's no word. There's no maturity that they're being given. And they never seem to go up. They seem to be just getting fed milk. Just getting fed milk. And, and you know what? There's times where you've got to eat meat. There's times where you've got to eat solid food. And it says the solid food here is that we begin to distinguish between good and evil. We start to work it out ourselves. We start to work it out. We get a little bit more mature and we start to work things out. And just that next scripture there, uh, Hebrews, is it 12? Up there, 12, 13? Yeah. And look at this. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Some of you by this time ought to be teachers. Some of you by this time, instead of going to the pastor and and looking for spiritual milk and going to the pastor to work your stuff out, going to your friend, you should be teaching by now. Some of you by now should have people in 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 a connect group where you're teaching and training spiritual babies, where you're giving some milk, where you're being the one. And it says, you need, but you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So Paul was saying exactly the same thing, exactly the same problems existed then, that the church, the people of God, were not coming to maturity. You see, we, in all of life's processes, we start as infants and we grow to adults. Is that right? And so, you know, imagine 
you know, there's a baby and then it's growing and growing and at a certain stage, that adult takes responsibility for another child. At some stage, that adult gives birth to a child and the next generation and the next... And it's generationally that we're growing up so that we can give food to someone else. And if we stay as a baby, how can we then grow the church? How can we grow God's word? How can we grow people? And there are people that need you. There are people that need your maturity. There are people that need your words. There are people that need your encouragement, your exhortation. But many times we're still drinking milk and whinging and complaining and going around that mountain like the Israelites, never moving into our own promised land so that we can call others in with us. And it says here, just back to the first scripture again, thanks, Sam. Is it Sammy Doyle? Yeah. Um, Geez, I look like a grandma there, didn't I? Is that you, Sammy? (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Um, And Paul says here, he says, not only in my presence. He's saying that, you, you know, I can see that you're, you're working out your salvation and you've always obeyed. And he says, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation. You know, and like we all put on, you know, we all put on a good show when we come to church, don't we? And we're in the presence of the pastors and we're in the presence of each other. Yes, sir. No, sir. And you know what? But, but in the absence of that, in the absence of people watching, in the absence of people observing you, who are you? In the absence of people telling you what to do, in the absence of the presence of people, who are you? Who are you when you're alone with God? Who are you? What is he doing in you right now? What is he working out in you right now? What beautiful thing is he discovering about you right now? What beauty is he bringing out? You know, someone said to Phil years and years ago, oh, yeah, you're a Christian now. Yeah, 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 I know, yeah. And I noticed that you've given up drinking, you've given up drugs, you've given up cigarettes, you know, you've given up all that stuff. Yeah, I know, that's what Christians do. You've got to give up the stuff. You know, and Phil said, you know what? It wasn't about giving up stuff. It was about getting filled with God. And see, the more I got filled with God, he said, the more that stuff just seemed to just pop off the top because I didn't need it anymore because God was everything to me. He was my high. He was in my low. He, he, He was everything to me. He was my obsession, my addiction. He was, he was all in all. I didn't need to have crutches. He was my crutch. You know, he's just not my crutch. He's my wheelchair. I just sit in him. I walk with him. It's so true, isn't it? And we're working this stuff. It was so funny. The other day, mum and I were um, coming up from Sydney on the freeway. And like everybody, you know how on the freeway, like it's 110 for goodness sake. And you're kind of doing 110 and there's people right up your town. So you do 120 because Phil says you have to keep in the flow of the traffic, even if you're breaking the law. So you go in the flow of the traffic and you try, I'm trying to do what Phil told me to do. And then now I'm doing 130 and everybody's still there with me. And I said, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. So I pull back to 110 and I pull right into the left lane. Forget you guys. I'm going to keep the law. I don't want to speed. 
I don't want to feel like I'm being harassed. I want to listen to my worship music. And if I go down to 80 while I'm singing to Jesus, tough luck. You know, that's how I feel. Amen. So here I am, I'm in the left lane, I'm doing the speed limit, and mum and I are just talking and everything like that. And all these traffic going past us and even coming to the left lane, you know, and all this. Anyway, all of a sudden you see everybody slow down. Everybody slows down. I think, what's going on here? And then I look up ahead and there's one lone police car at the front of the pack doing the speed limit. And the whole pack falls in behind him. No one wants to overtake. Everybody just zip. And now we're all in this big pack. And this one lone police car is out the front. And then they, you'd see the guys coming up in the, in, in the right-hand lane, you know. Behind the pack. It's so funny. And me and Mum nearly went down ourselves. So go, oh, Mum, here comes another one. Watch this. And they go, and you see, I was like, brakes now. And the brakes, you know, and it was so funny. It's funny how you don't really kind of need that police officer to do anything. It's just the presence. It's the presence of the police car that makes people keep the law. And you know what? That's why it's so important for us to keep the presence of God in this church. (laughs) Because you know what? We don't like meddling with your life too much. I don't want to meddle with your life. A lot of places do, and a lot of churches do. It's like, did you notice that so and so and that have been coming to church two weeks and they're still living together? And it's like, just get the presence of God. And you know what? They'll, they'll obey the law. They'll, they'll work it out. The Holy Spirit is the one. You know, not us. We're not here to point our bony fingers at people. Didn't he work you out? What about if he would have come to you when you were saved two weeks and said, what if someone would have come visit you from the church when you were saved two weeks and told you all the things you were doing wrong? Would you have kept going? But it's his grace. And then we come and we, we say, you know, Pastor, I don't know what it is, but I just don't feel right about living with my boyfriend anymore. It just feels like every time we, like, we, we have sex, I just feel yuck. You know, what is that, Pastor? I said, Glad you asked. And then you can help. Do you know what I'm saying? Like grace, 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 grace. Let's not meddle. Let's not meddle. Let's not meddle. Not in my presence, but away from my presence. It's the presence of God that brings us to salvation. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love of the Father that has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And verse 2 says, And... What we will be has not yet been made known, but we shall know that when he appears, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. There's one day this struggle is going to be over when I... One day we're going to stand and see him and he will make us perfect. We will be like him. And this wrestle with self, this working it out will finally end. And we'll just go into glory. It's over. We made it. Praise God.
But it says then, anyone who has this hope. Do you have this hope today? Do you have this hope? Purifies himself just as he is pure. You know, it doesn't say that someone else purifies you. It says he purifies himself. He makes a choice. Anyone who has this hope works out their salvation now. Now. Until then, we're becoming. The Bible says we're going from glory to glory, with ever-increasing glory into the likeness of his Son. We're going from experience to experience, from discovery and understanding to not knowing and not understanding again. Is that true? From healing to healing. Amen. And he does, he works on us in different places and different levels. He works on our behaviour and then he works on our nature and then he works on our character and then we're working out our belief systems and what shape and mould our thought processes. We're working on our image and being restored into the image of God, into the likeness of his son. He works on our personality. How many people's personalities you know, have been damaged and have been destroyed. Like when I met Phil, yeah, he was the shyest, most introverted person you've ever met. Now he's an introvert, but he was an introvert with pollution. And so he didn't want to be out in public, he didn't want to see people, he wanted to be alone all the time, he was a recluse. And I was doing ministry and he tells you he was pushing the prams, he would hide behind the kids and hide behind those prams. People would prophesy over him. He'd go, forget it, don't be ridiculous. I'll never, you'll, you'll never get me from behind these prams. And he was just like this really shy. We would go to our family Christmas, you know, and there's like 40 immediate family. We're all huggy, kissy, in your face kind of people like mum. And he would come to our family Christmas. He would say, oh, the car needs work. And he would go and work on the car the whole day while everybody's having Christmas dinner and everything together, he just couldn't handle crowds. It was like too many people, too many people talking at once. And I just, you know, and then God gets a hold of this personality and he gets a hold of this introvert. And he gets a hold of this man who's afraid of crowds and can't stand more than two people in a room. And he, he says to him, I'm calling you. And Phil says to him, you know what? I can only do this in the Holy Spirit. If you give me your spirit, I can do whatever you ask me to do. You change me. You, you do whatever you need to do. I'm going to face my fears. I'm going to face whatever it is. But ultimately what it was, was this, that inside there was always a preacher. Inside there was always a man of God who could love people and share with people and be in a room full of people and love every one of them and know where every one of them is and know them by name and worry about them and pray for them. And Inside there was a man always like that, but his personality had been damaged. And Jesus came to restore the personality and bring him through. See, we're supposed to represent Jesus on the earth. That means to represent him. He's been here. He's presented himself. People have heard of him. They read the word. They see him presented. And then we as his church are supposed to represent him. And for us to represent him, we have to be like him. And for us to be like him, we have to be made in the image of God. And for us to be made in the image of God, we have to get back to the original design that God made for you and I. We are not clones. We are individual, incredible creations that are coming and becoming and working out our own salvation. Slowly but surely, seeing ourselves as he sees us. 
You know, it's so, it's so important for us to see ourselves as he sees us and becoming all that he has written for us to do and affecting every life that he has called us to touch while we're here on this earth. 2 Corinthians 1.10 says this, and this is my translation of it, he has delivered us, he is delivering us, and he shall deliver us. We're in a process, amen. Isaiah 61.1 says it speaks of freedom for the captives. And I think Jeff Crabtree touched on it last week when he said that our captivity or was our tent is our, is our own thinking, our own life experiences that have shaped the way that we think and that we feel about ourselves. And that's what I'm saying to you here, that it's so important for you to see yourself as he sees you and to allow this working out process. See, when I say work out your salvation, you know, a lot of us would go into works mode. Okay, I've got to, mm, mm, I've got to fast, I've got to pray, I've got to give up that, I've got to give up that, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and it's works. But when he's saying working out your salvation, he's not talking about works. He's saying work out your salvation. He's saying this is all that I've given you, this is all that your son has for you. Work it out. Work it out. Walk in it. Make sense of it. Let me work it out in you. Let me outwork it into your very nature. Let me outwork it into your very character. Let me outwork it into you. It's grace. It's relationship that shapes us and helps us to work out our salvation. It's not rules, regulations, and law anymore. We're under grace. We're under grace. Amen. And it's grace. You know, so much of our belief systems shape who we are and what we do. And that's why it's so important to get that relationship with him and understand, you know, things can be said to you through your life, experience can happen through your life that makes you believe something that is a lie. Do you know, do you know if you believe it, it's truth to you? But the word of God says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. And those lies, those things we believe about ourselves. I mean, when I was, you know, I was a kid, I had this really teasing brother. And he just had it out for me to tease me, tease me, tease me, tease me. It was real jealousy. And, you know, one of the first things he used to do to me when I was only a little kid is I'd walk up the street and he'd walk behind me going, gee, you got a big bum, bottom. And you got a big backside. Oh, it's disgusting. I don't know how you can walk out in the street with a bottom that big. No man's ever going to like that. You're never going to get married. And he would just walk behind me about my bottom. How many of you know that I, walk, I, walk, I, I grew up with a complex about my backside? Really bad. You know, and just, just always thinking. You know, if people are walking behind me, I'd be going, oh, I bet you they're looking at my big bottom. Oh, gosh, it's so awful. It's disgusting. What am I going to do? Wear long tops, cover it up, do whatever I can. And I was skinny as a stick. And I had an incredible figure as a young person, but I was just I had this thing in me. No man's ever going to want you. How did that affect me when I, when I married Phil and I had to present him, myself to him in, in a transparent way? And I just, you know, yeah, you can look at the front, but don't you dare look at the back. <laughs> you know, it's out of bounds. You know, you'll hate me if you look at the back of me. And, and it was just this thought process, you know, and, and, and I believed that. I believed it with all my heart. That lie had gone in that my body was ugly. And you know what? Jesus healed me. You know, when I came to Jesus in that place and he showed me, he showed me me as he sees me. He showed me myself, my image, as he sees my image. 
He showed me the beauty that's inside of me that far exceeds the, the faults that I have on the outside. And it was just the truth that set me free. And that lie, as soon as he told me the truth, that lie was gone. And my belief system changed. And my captivity in my mind was gone. And I could walk down the street and not worry about what was people walking behind me. And I could present myself to my husband in a transparent way and not be afraid that he would reject me. And I, and I was free. You know, that's just one, one instance of 27 years of working out my salvation. You know, he's interested in every facet of your life, every place of your life. It's like, it's like a mystery that we're unraveling. You're a mystery. You're an incredible, mysterious creation that he saved and is unraveling and unwrapping. It's like, you know, a painting that's taking shape, you know, and I'm painting at the moment and, that, you know, you first you sketch it in and then you put a bit of colour here and a bit of colour there and you can see it but no one else can see it and, and, I, and I say to him, what do you think? And he goes, yeah, it's looking good, you know, because why? Because he doesn't know what shape it's taking but I can see it and that's like God, in you. he can see you, he can see the finished painting he can see the beauty of what you're going to be. He can see when he presents you to the earth the, the wonder of creation that he's made in you and he's excited even though you're not finished. Do you know what I'm saying? Even though you haven't come to total realisation. Your life, your life, your life, you, you are precious to God. He's a wonderful God. And as you work out your salvation, what will happen is that you will find God, but more importantly, he will find you. And you will find you. And then you can present you to the world. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. If I could just have the band up, if I can. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord or whatever you feel. If you feel like this or like that, it doesn't matter. You just be you with him right now. Just be you with him right now. Whichever way you can open yourself up, just open your heart to him right now. Father, thank you that you understand us. Primarily that you understand us. And thank you, Lord, that you're working us out that you're working out our salvation with us. Thank you that you partner with us and that you know us and you shape us and you mould us and that you're growing us up and that we're being changed from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into the image of your Son, into the original design that you had for each of our lives. Thank you, Father. Right now, I pray you touch hearts, that you'd wash away lies, They'd wash away expectations that they have of themselves that are false and too high. They'd wash away discouragement, despair. They'd wash it away, God. You'd wash away, God. Wash away, God. Every false concept. God, wash it away. All the law-keeping and the works and the trying hard to please you. Wash it away. And bring us into relationship and into grace, in Jesus' name. Why don't you just pray this after me? Lord Jesus, I offer myself to you. I open myself up 
to salvation, to salvation, to Zozo life, to, Zozo life, to the fullness of all that you have for me. I trust you to totally restore me into the image that you first created. That I might be a representation of you on this earth. I submit myself to the process of growing up and working out my salvation. In Jesus' name. Now just let me clarify there. You know, if you need help, don't lock yourself in a room and try and work it out by yourself. You know, the, the scriptures say when one part of the body is hurting, we all hurt. You know what I mean? Like we're in this together. You know, there's times where you have to walk alone. There's times where you need midwives. Don't deny the gathering together. Don't deny the help. Don't be afraid to come to the pastors, the leaders, and say, I've tried to work this out. I'm not getting very far. I don't understand it. I need help. Don't deny that. We're not saying that. What I'm saying is don't depend on that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.